0: We have a special special treat treat for you today. today. We We have have the one, one, the only welcome to the State Lines Network. Hey friends, welcome to episode 10 of the Boldly Going Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Sowell. Very excited about this episode for you today with my friend Valerie Clark. Valerie is an incredible person, Uh, she's a great writer, Uh, she's an adventurer, she's just a a brilliant idea person, and mostly because of the idea that she has of one of the things she's writing and been developing as well into an app called Caffeinated Travel. If you like to travel and you love coffee, you need to know Valerie Clark because uh, she points out some great coffee shops. Uh, Independent coffee shops, Uh, she's just brilliant about that, and you should help her uh, develop this app, because it needs to exist for all of us that travel and looking for good uh, independent coffee shops to go to while traveling. You should definitely check her out, but that's only one thing that she does. Uh, Another thing that she, really the biggest part of her life is she's a writer, and uh, she has a great site where she puts all her writings online, it's personal stuff, it's stuff about coffee, Um, just life in general, and... Uh, Her site is thevalerieclark.com, thevalerieclark.com. Now, if you go check that out, got to spell it right because she doesn't spell her name Valerie the way uh, I guess most other Valeries in the world spell it. So I'm going to spell it out for you, T-H-E, and then Valerie, V-A-L-O-R-I-E, clark.com, thevalerieclark.com. Don't put the E in there. Put an O in there for Valerie. So thevalerieclark.com. Check her out. Uh, really, really cool. This episode is great. We talk a lot about her uh, her life. We talk about coffee. We talk about her writing. And she says one of the best things that I think we all instinctively know, but it's good to be reminded. She says in this episode uh, that we are storytellers. And that's the title of the episode, We Are Storytellers, uh, because we all have a story to tell. Every one of us has a story, and that story is important. We all have something to offer the world, and that's part of why this podcast exists, because I want you to be inspired and hear the story of someone else that is boldly going, that is being creative, that is living their dream, that is pursuing their passion, and uh, hopefully be inspired uh, and to go and tell your story, to write your story of your life, uh, and uh, and share that thing with the world. So, hopefully, you will get that out of this. So, I'm excited for you to uh, hear a little bit from Valerie before we jump into the episode. Got to remind you, as always, we're a part of the State Lines Podcast Network. So, if you go to state-lines.com, you will find podcasts and writings and articles and uh, much more brilliant stuff than what I have to offer you. So, please go check them out. State-lines.com. And listen to many of the other podcasts, read the articles, and uh, get some uh, some inspiration, get some brilliancy out of that. And then, uh, as always, check out uh, my organization, engagecurrent.org, and uh, discover some ways that you can give back to your community. You can do it with us. We'd love for you to be a part of that. So please do that, engagecurrent.org, state-lines.com. Follow those two things. And then also, with Valerie, when it comes to Valerie, go check out thevalerieclark.com and then also go on Instagram and follow her on Instagram at Caffeinated Travel. Caffeinated Travel on Instagram and uh, support her, uh, help her, help her make this dream a reality of developing an app around uh, caffeinated travel, which we talked about in the episode. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being incredible. Thanks for being so inspiring to me uh, just simply by downloading this episode and listening to it and uh, finding some value in it. So, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Episode 10. We are storytellers with my friend Valerie Clark. Here we go. So uh, we're in Dallas, I'm here with my friend Valerie, and first of all, welcome everybody to the Boldly Going Podcast, Um, and what I like to say is creative, brilliant, inspirational people of the universe on planet Earth, and uh, we're in Dallas in Valerie's apartment, it's gracious enough to make us some pour over, coffee, so we're going to talk about coffee, mostly, I think. Um, So thanks for letting us in your home. Corey's here from Ohio, he's just going to sit silently and look at his phone, so... (laughs) Thanks for being on the podcast, Valerie. Absolutely. <laughs> well, now I feel like I have to say something since you called me I'm, I'm going like to cut that. this part out. So like, <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> Aw. Um, so, uh, Valerie, yeah. are you from Dallas originally?
1: Yeah, sort of. I okay. wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could, uh, which is what... So
0: you're a big Dallas fan? <laughs> like, you want to be Texas. here? Texas. A lot
1: of Texas in me. Um, yeah, I guess. I really like Dallas. I really... I didn't want to like Dallas, but I, yeah. I I love it here. I'm going to be sad to leave soon.
0: So. so you're leaving soon.
1: I'm leaving soon. I'm going to grad school in the fall. Okay. Uh, yeah, so. I think you
0: mentioned to me that you were going to do that. Where are you going?
1: Uh, Columbia University. but um, I'm going to their global campus that's in Paris,
0: France. Oh,
1: so. that's right. Yes. Yeah. I think we've talked.
0: I remember that. you telling me that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I want to talk about that a little okay. bit. Okay. Um, so the reason I wanted you to be on the podcast, just a couple reasons, honestly. One um, is I love what you're doing with caffeinated travel. I definitely want to talk about that. For sure. And uh, you're a writer, an aspiring, I don't know. I don't say aspiring writer because you're already writing. Yeah. Um, and quite honestly, so the podcast is all yeah. built around people that are creatively or boldly going and doing, like pursuing their dream, doing the thing that they love. And whether it be an entrepreneur, anything like that. And one of the things I've discovered, I've found, is that, um, especially from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I feel like there's way more men that are doing that than women. And I don't know why that is. I I know. I feel like part of just the world system that we live in, it's caters a little more towards men. And so maybe some ways it's easier for, for a guy to just go, I'm going to start a business. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's, I think it's bizarre that it's not because women have plenty of dreams and things that they want to pursue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I know, especially in the, on the business side of things, I feel like there's a lot more. I know a lot more men that are entrepreneurs and stuff and, and all the women I know that are they're freelancers or entrepreneurs they're all artists, which is cool um it's a lot of photographers, a lot of painters um, yeah. which is great and they're doing really beautiful work, but yeah, I don't know a lot of women doing um like work in in coffee or in other kind of fields really, yeah um, as entrepreneurs
0: yeah yeah that's true, you're right, and I think now you say that. Yeah, a lot of the ones that I know, there are in some kind of art form, <clears throat> which is great and important. But I think some. I I feel like it's important for people to hear the voice of a woman who's doing something that they love, you know. And um, so, uh, I guess to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how you got here. You're talking about caffeinated travel a little bit.
1: Sure. So I uh, I was living in D.C. For a couple of years working in coffee. And um, when I decided to move back to Dallas, I was feeling a little, like, kind of, like, confused. I had no idea what I really wanted to be doing. I wasn't sure I wanted to stay in coffee. And so I ended up spending a little over a month just, like, living out of my Jeep. And, like, mm-hmm. traveling to a bunch of different cities. And, um, m- like, my goal was to, like, drink all the coffee and see all the art.
0: Okay.
1: And um, what ended up happening was I realized there was this, this um, kind of missing like, service of, like, not really knowing where to find really good coffee, um, and so I was having to rely on Yelp, um, or just kind of, like, my friends who were baristas who'd happened to be, been to those cities, and, um, so, kind of halfway through that, that trip, I decided I was going to try to create like a an app or a website that would tell people where they could get reliably good coffee that wasn't you know big, getting five stars because they had really good whipped cream or really good like, <laughs> vanilla syrup, which like Wait, a real... that's a thing. Oh yeah, like when I, I remember specifically, I was in like Toledo, Ohio, visiting a friend, and I was she was at work, and I was trying to get like find a good coffee shop other than Starbucks. Not that there's anything wrong with Starbucks, I just wanted to try something independent.
0: Yeah,
1: and. Um, and the only Yelp reviews like I could find were like, oh, go to this place. They have, like, really good sandwiches, but it's a coffee shop. Oh, and they have really good whipped cream. And I was like, that's not – those aren't the things that I want. Like, those things are great, but I want really good coffee. Um. Yeah,
0: right, yes. <laughs>
1: but
0: who reviews whipped cream? Like, you this know, place has great whipped cream.
1: This is, these are things people care about, apparently. I remember that that review stood out to me in my mind. Amazing. I was like, amazing. Really. Really. So, uh, yeah. So after that, I kind of, the first iteration was this thing called the barista's travel guide. Um, because I was okay. a barista and I wanted it to be mostly baristas recommending oh. shops. And then, um, it kind of became where should I coffee as I started to kind of wanted to expand it and have mm-hmm. other people besides baristas are recommending stuff. And yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I spent like a year kind of building it up and, tried to run a Kickstarter back in January, February that didn't end up funding. Um, but that was to create like that app, um, yeah. to fund that app.
0: Right.
1: So, yeah. And so now I'm just kind of in a holding pattern with it where I'm doing caffeinated travel. I'm still writing about coffee, still traveling a lot and trying coffee in different cities. Um, but since I'm going to grad school, I just kind of can't devote the time to creating that app again. And I don't yeah. have the funds myself. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So that's kind of How it got started, where it is right now. Um,
0: How much does it take to develop an app like that that you want to do?
1: It's so. I mean, it definitely depends on who you talk to and like what you're building. Um, But I needed like at least five thousand up to seventy five hundred if I wanted to do Android and um, iOS. So. Just
0: keep talking. Oh,
1: okay. Thanks. Yeah,
0: you can. You can flash a piece.
1: (laughs) No, Um, but yeah. So. I yeah, you need like at least five thousand for it, which I don't have of my own money. So,
0: um, I mean, that doesn't sound like a crazy amount of money. It's I not definitely. Crazy I've heard. I've heard a lot worse numbers for creating an app. Yeah, for sure. So, it, so, on so creating an app. How. So if I – let's say it existed and I had, I had the app on my phone and I come to Dallas mm-hmm. and I want to go to a coffee shop, how does it work?
1: So the – it was going to work by finding your location and kind of recommending a shop – or like pulling all the shops up that are near you and saying, hey, like you're in Dallas, Method Coffee, Houndsooth Coffee, Cultivar Coffee, Ascension. These are all the shops that are nearby And you'd be able to click on them and say, okay, like, this shop is open right now. They've got this roaster that I want to try. Um, their espresso costs this much money. And so it would have, like, a little bit of basic info and then kind of, like, a blurb. Like, hey, like, this is a really great place to study or this is a really great place for a date or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then it would give you directions.
0: Not about their whipped cream, though?
1: Not generally about the whipped cream, (laughs) no. So, um yeah that was how it was that was kind of how it was designed to work. I've got still to this day the prototype on my phone yeah I kind of does recommend it in Dallas but
0: who so um who curates it
1: right now it's just me okay um I was really dreaming about being able to pay other braes because it does take a lot of work to go to all those shops and right. and a just trying all the coffee like it's expensive yeah um but it just in taking all the photos and writing about it like it you deserve to be paid for your work i think sure um and so i wanted other baristas roasters you know other people that are in the specialty coffee industry to be able to recommend places the places they love too all over the world
0: yeah so that's awesome so, what are your plans? You said it's a holding pattern right now. So, mm-hmm. what do you, do you still want to develop it? What do you, like, what do you feel like is going to happen? I
1: definitely want to still develop it. Like, I still feel like there's a need for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the more and more I talk to people about I would it, love it. Like, right. Yeah. The more and more I talk to people about it, they're like, "How how is that not fun? That's a great idea. I'm like. I don't know. Why didn't it fund? Me?
0: Did you, you should have said, because uh, you didn't put any money into it or tell your friends. That's why.
1: I'm literally too nice to say <laughs> that, but that's always what I think. So I'm glad you said it out loud.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll tell your friends. Okay. Listen, like, tell them to listen to this, and I will tell your friends how terrible they are for not having funded Only
1: $5,000. Yeah. It's nothing. Oh, no. The, well, the goal was higher because I also wanted to pay writers. Okay. So the goal was, oh man, I don't even remember anymore. I think it was 11 Still, eleven thousand dollars. It's not that no, cash. No,
0: eleven thousand dollars not that much money. No, so that's terrible friends. That's what I. That's what <laughs> you can tell your friends. I said they're terrible. Okay. Not that they care about my opinion. I don't know. They don't know me. Um, no, it's a brilliant idea. I think it's. I think it's awesome. But here's what I love, though, is that a lot of people in that scenario, I feel like would just quit, or they'd be like, oh well, or they'd be down on themselves or whatever for well, my thing didn't fund, and, yeah. you know, they move on with life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was certainly bummed, you know, sure. when it happened. Yeah. Um, or when it didn't end up funding. But I also had kind of realistically thought, like, it may not. And I think only, like, 40% of Kickstarter projects do fund. Hmm. So it was like, it's very... It's almost likely that it won't.
0: Okay. So,
1: um, and that number may be wrong, so please don't quote me on
0: that. No, not Well, I think two people also get... Uh, you see all the stories about... Uh, you know, this band or so-and-so, like they, in, in two hours, they triply funded their thing that they, that they put out there. Yeah. Which I feel like is very rare, but people, I feel like, expected that kind of return.
1: Yeah, those are the stories that make the news, and so everyone right. just like thinks, oh, that's what always happens, because yeah. you never hear about the stories, the things that don't fund. Right. so
0: Or the, I want to buy an Xbox and I can't afford it, and so, well, you fund my Kickstarter. Right. Which is... Legitimate things that are on those kinds of
1: yeah, for sure. That's things. definitely a thing on GoFundMe for
0: somewhere, yeah. which is which is weird. Um, <laughs> that yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so what did you? Oh, actually, no. What I was say I one I loved the idea, but I also intentionally uh, when I looked at the options, you know, the different options of numbers that you can. Like yeah. amounts that you can give. Right. And what you get in return. Right. Because um, I put in a – I put I put a commitment. I don't know what pledge. you're doing. Pledge. Well, that's well, pledge. That's what it is. Pledge. Yeah. That's where I was looking for. Um But I intentionally did the level that I would at least get one of the T-shirts because right. the T-shirts was awesome. <laughs> yeah,
1: they were funny. I'd tamp that. I was like, yeah. yes, definitely. Yes,
0: I'd tamp that. It was amazing. It was <laughs> brilliant. I just wanted it to – the app was – Awesome. But I wanted it to exist just so I could have one of those t-shirts. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so so what are you doing with it now? You're just so now it's kind of turned into your writing. I mean, you were still writing about coffee yeah. prior to that, right? yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and so now I'm just kind of just hanging out, writing, trying shops all over. I think maybe in like another year, I'll try again, um, try not to put too firm a number on that. But, yeah, I mean, I really, I really think it could be a useful thing. And I think maybe I once, um, since I'll be living in Europe and can even find more shops there, I think once it already has more of, is already kind of more of a directory and has more shops on it, I think people will be a little bit more supportive. And it, especially even then, after another year, it'll have more, more traction and, and more people will know about yeah, it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So Well, the people will listen to this podcast and they will obviously feel guilty about having not. <laughs> funded it and I'm pretty sure next time it'll
1: great yes
0: it'll happen <laughs> um, so what is it about coffee like why why coffee why, why are you coffee? passionate about that
1: um you know it's funny because I really didn't want to like coffee so I told you I was living okay. in DC and I went up there to work in politics, actually. And I, Interesting Yeah And I did that for about six months And was like I can't do this um, I am not nearly cutthroat enough I'm far too nice for politics You don't
0: hate human beings in this <laughs>
1: um, Well I don't think it's that they hate human beings I think you just have to be way tougher And have like a much thicker skin than I did When I was yeah. 21 um, You have to be
0: very self-promoting
1: Yeah And I was not I'm still not like that And I yeah. definitely wasn't then And so <clears> I got out of it And I was like Well I need to pay bills yeah, And uh, I got lucky and a shop hired me And I was so determined, I was like, this is for six months Like, I am not staying in coffee Everybody I,
0: goes into it that way
1: Oh yeah, I left DC being like I'm done with coffee Um, And I Even when I left my last job, I was like, I'm done Like, I'm done with coffee, and it's really Just kind of taken until the last couple months For me to be like, no, I love this, I'm staying I'm not, I'm not leaving, this is a great It's a great industry, there's a lot of really wonderful People in it yeah. um, Which is great and then it's also just um I think the thing I love about it is that it's science and it's also art and it, it it's both, you know, and it's almost um it's almost ritualistic <clears throat> for a lot of people and it's very um you know, it's it's it can be tough and it can be hard to stand for eight hours a day and, and uh and have to serve no. customers all day. I know, weird, right? Um but it's just the people that are in it, and and kind of the the way this industry is growing, like it's such a young industry. You know, there's a lot still to be done yeah. scientifically with it, um, artistically with it. it, and it's it's great because it is a combination of both of those things, and and I, that really speaks to to the part of me that's really artistic, but also really likes structure.
0: Yeah. So interesting. So when you When you went to DC, what were you, what kind of politics were you?
1: So I was in nonprofits and I was doing, um, I was doing kind of like a little bit of everything, which is like the theme of my life, doing a little bit of everything. But I was, um, so I was working at the DC Rape Crisis Center and I was, um, doing like volunteer work, um, reaching out to the community, kind of like educating people. I was also working directly with, um, survivors and kind of doing kind of direct care, direct counseling with them. And then I was also doing like research um, that would go into into um, initiatives for politics and kind of helping draft some of that stuff, and sometimes talking to to staffers um, on the hill, and so yeah, a little bit of everything. But it was the work was really rewarding. It was just also really really exhausting.
0: Yeah. So I love DC. Yeah. um, But I had the most exhausting terrible conversations with people in D.C.
1: Really?
0: Yeah, because um, I love it as a city, but it's just weird. I've, all my experience with people living in D.C., that are not necessarily in, like, a coffee shop or, like, someone working at a place like that, but just in general, like, oh, what do you do for a living? Like, it's always the first question is, like, who do you work for? Mm-hmm. Um, and... I started kind of testing it just to see like I would answer just to see what their response would be yeah. and if it's not the right it's it, feel, it feels like um, alright what you just said is no not important to me or advancing the thing that I want to advance so I'm done with this conversation yes and, Yeah. or conversely it's they tell you their entire resume when you ask them how they were doing. Like, hey, how's your day? Yeah, oh, good. I work for this person. And they start going, like, telling you their whole, like, <laughs> how important they are. Right. Like,
1: Great. I didn't ask you any
0: of that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for letting me know.
1: I think you're going to the wrong bars in DC is the real issue here. Because Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, that's definitely a problem, like, that I always had when I was working kind Of in that nonprofit political stuff, and then when I was even going to those bars with those people, yeah, for sure. But once I got into really got out of that and started yeah. hanging out with different people, like that became less and less of a, a thing. People, I feel like something Americans do in general, like we tend to be like, Hey, what's your name? How you doing? Okay, where do you work? Right, yeah, um, which is kind of a bummer.
0: Cause yeah, we spend a lot of time on status, we're sizing each other up on. Yes. Or at least with guys. I don't know how that is with women, but at least guys are like sizing each other up. Yeah. On, you know,
1: I think it's true with women too, for sure. Um, yeah. so at least professionally, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, it's still very much one of the first things you ask people is, So where do you work? What do you do? Yeah. As if that has much of a reflection on, on them as a person.
0: Yeah. That's true. What do you think that is?
1: I think it's just really easy conversation. Like, everyone works or goes to school. Every, almost everyone does something. So mm-hmm. it's, like, really, like, when you're first getting to know people, it's like, okay, I'm going to ask you where you work now because I don't know what else to say to you. Yeah. Which is, um...
0: That's true. I have a friend that he he just asks, tell me about it. He says, tell me about yourself. I like that. Which I think makes people feel really awkward. Because yeah. they don't know what... To say <laughs>
1: Yeah I like to ask people um, When I'm first getting To know them Like what are you Obsessed with right now um, But that also Puts people Kind of on edge too People are like What, what, like, what, do I, what am I addicted to Like no she's like What <laughs> are you obsessed with Like But you
0: know, Oh that's so true respond, That could go terribly it could
1: go <laughs> terribly But some people Respond really really well And I'm like Okay cool this That's right. a great question
0: Yeah What are you obsessed with Right now Yeah Interesting Yeah I like that um so all right so you go to work for this coffee shop
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when you left there you intended like I'm done I'm not going to be doing this anymore but how did you fall into it again how did you continue with it
1: so i had applied to be a barista at the ted conference up in vancouver this past okay. february and um i was lucky enough to be selected um which is amazing because hundreds of people apply, and I think only like.
0: By the oh, way, I didn't even know that was a thing. It's
1: a thing. The TED conference is like it's a whole. Yeah. I don't. Even, I don't even know how to describe it, but like, so beyond the talks, there's also like all these kind of experiential. Yeah. Booths and stuff, and yeah. and so we were part of the coffee service, which was supposed to be an experience. Um. And so, like, one of the one of the. Bars that we had, people actually got to come around behind the bar and make their own coffee if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of got to teach them a lot. And it was actually at that bar, I was teaching this girl. She came back every single morning to me at that bar and we would make a latte together. And by the end of this week, she was making lattes on her own, like with almost no instruction. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was like, I can't believe I ever thought I wanted to leave this. <laughs> like, this is a really amazing. really amazing industry really amazing just thing to get to do every day
0: yeah So. yeah I can see that I worked for Starbucks for six years Mm -hmm. and there's a lot that I hated about it (laughs) like people that were terrible Mm -hmm. um but there was a lot that I loved about it and I think it was that that crafty Mm -hmm. like you're creating something
1: yeah you get to like make things with your own hands and like you get to see the results of it, like, right away. Yeah, though, Which I true. thought was really, really cool. Or I still think is really, really cool. Um, and it's also, I think... So every job I've ever had that I loved had, like, a teaching component to it.
0: Okay.
1: And um, that was kind of one of those ones where you're getting to teach, like, a whole new skill to people. Like, you're not just handing people information that they might forget. Like, it's very much, like, teaching someone something that they're... Like, she's probably going to remember learning how to make a latte at Ted for like at least the rest of her life. I hope. Um, she may not remember my name or my face, but she'll remember that experience and getting to be just like a part of that journey for people is really super rewarding for me. Um, I love that. So
0: that's cool. What do you think it is about that with teaching? Cause I apparently really, (laughs) that's really something important or innate to you.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think for some reason, like, I think it has to do with, like, helping people. I was, like, thinking about this actually just earlier today, like, in the car. I was, like, why do I need teaching so much? Because it's never about me. I actually hate speaking in front of people.
0: Okay.
1: Um, But I can teach because it's about... For me, teaching is about the information and the focus is on that material. It's not on me at all. Yeah. I'm just that, like, that conduit. Um. And so... Teaching has always been, I don't know, like it's. I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to put it into words. Um,
0: Do you want to write it? <laughs> I think that
1: would take too long. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's just something that's always been a passion for me. Like it's always... it's, and I was thinking earlier today, like I think it's about helping people, sort of okay. in service, almost in a way. It, yeah. Kind of adding to someone's life, um, is something that like, I think just like really fun, like on a very fundamental level speaks to me. Like I'm always one of those people that like cries when I hear stories about like good people like helping each other in the flood in Houston and like, you know, sad things don't make me cry. Really positive things about humanity make me cry. And yeah,
0: it's just so funny. Yeah. Me too. that you say that.
1: Yeah. 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 I always, I also always cry whenever I see those commercials Of like, um, I think they're always the USAA commercials where like dogs are welcoming home their soldiers. I'm like done. (laughs) Turn off the TV. Like I'm, I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. Oh, it's amazing.
0: (laughs) There, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a crybaby sometimes about stuff. For sure. Not that commercial, but I see the other ones and I'm like, oh
1: man. Well, I'm out. (laughs) Watch that again. Yeah.
0: which is funny because my my friend Joel Davis, who's also in coffee, mm-hmm. he uh, he owns a company called Communico. He okay. was on he was like the first interview podcast interview I did, but he does um, he developed his own uh, unique way of doing nitro press uh, cold brew. Oh, cool! Um, and it's amazing; it's so good. He's in Tampa, and they they do him all over the place. But he like the joke with him and his brothers like mm-hmm. they're all family like all the guys they just cry at everything like <laughs> they're just criers and so we joke about we constantly joke about he just like you can tell him a story mm-hmm. and just a really meaningful story about something that happened to you and he'll, he'll get teary eyed and he did it in our podcast and we're, I forget what we were talking about and he just started tearing up but you know he so emotionally connects with whatever yeah. that person is telling him That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I think that's great. I used to, like, not be a crier at all, and then, I don't know, like, I hit my 20s, and now I cry all the time, but only, like, again, only, like, with cool, like, humanity, positive stories, but, like, it occurred to me recently, I was like, man, like, not crying, like, isn't cool. It's like, I think,
0: Hmm.
1: you know, it's like, having that emotional response means you care about something enough to get emotional about it, like, if it's another person, or... I don't know, dogs, or, like, whatever. Like, that's cool. Like, that's what makes you human, and, like, that's what makes each of us, like... I don't know, that's what makes humanity special, really, in a lot of ways, is yeah. that we have that emotional connection, that emotional response, and the yeah. not crying about things is kind of a bummer. Like, why... You cry. Let yourself cry. It's cool.
0: <clears throat> that's just, yeah, I like that statement. Not crying isn't cool. That's so true. Now, a lot of us grew up in a world where crying is for babies
1: yeah oh definitely like
0: especially for especially with guys I think the way they're raised a lot of times like if you cry you're not, just even from other friends not even from family but just growing up as a boy and your friends like when you cry immediately it's like you're, oh, you're yeah. a baby you're, you're, you're a little actually what we would say is your you're little a girl, girl. <laughs> Just, so, which is so condescending to him <laughs> I don't
1: know. Well, People are always, like, you talk about sexism. People are always saying, like, oh, men hating women. like, nah, it goes both ways. Like, telling little boys they can't cry because it's girly to cry. Like, what? No, that's just a human thing. Everyone has tear ducts. You're right. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's true. That's so true. Yeah. You're not a, you're not a, that's, yeah, it's funny. That's a funny idea. Yeah. It's not manly if you cry.
1: Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I think it's, like, that whole guy's guy, tough. Guy thing where it's like, if you don't chop wood and if you cry and all these like weird things right that make you less manly, which is so, it's so silly.
0: Yeah, it is because honestly, like some of them, some of them, you know, for lack of a better term, manliest men that I know, they'll cry. Like mm. they just emotionally will connect with somebody and and cry yeah, or something, you know, but, <clears throat>
1: yeah, I think-
0: but I don't ever think of men, maybe just cause we're adults. I don't I like, I don't go. You're such a baby. You little girl. What are you crying about?
1: <laughs> I love that she's something that comes with and,
0: But Yeah, I, I would know. hope so. But I've definitely seen some adult men that <laughs> act it
1: that say way. That, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a bummer. It is.
0: Yeah. Um, that's it. I might tell her your episode that not crying isn't cool. <laughs> it has nothing to do with coffee. <laughs> that's fine. Um,
1: it's funny that we're talking about coffee today, though, because today's actually like National Cold Brew Day. Which, Today is? yeah, it's
0: 4:20. I thought I it was
1: <laughs> only National Pot Day. I thought it was yeah. Uh, no, it's apparently National Cold Brew Day, which I only found out like a couple hours really? ago. I would have made actual cold brew for you guys, but you know, Man. I made it, I made you iced coffee instead. So it's
0: close. thank you. Uh, listen, I'll take it. Whatever any it's coffee good. Is, is good. Yeah. to me, um, it, I had no idea.
1: I didn't know that was a thing. At I didn't all, either. But there's a. I wonder if maybe people just make this up and it just catches on. Like, is there is there a central authority for this? I don't think so. I don't think there is. Like, I could probably come back and say tomorrow's National Ice Coffee Day, and people would just be like, sure.
0: True. Like, I, I wonder mean, who invented international talk like a pirate day.
1: I don't know, but I'm a big fan of that person.
0: <laughs> I mean, I heard a couple weeks ago it was... National Unicorn Day. Great. Which I didn't know was a thing either.
1: Why would we celebrate (laughs) unicorns when they don't really exist? I'm breaking a lot of hearts, I think. I feel
0: like we celebrate a lot of things. (laughs) For no reason. Valid. I mean, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo, and that's not really a thing to anybody (laughs) but America.
1: I love that we celebrate Cinco de Mayo and are so wrong about what Cinco de Mayo is.
0: Right. Right. Like, yeah.
1: everyone thinks it's Mexican Independence Day, and Mexico is just sitting there like, no, no, it's not.
0: Yeah. That true. said,
1: I don't actually know what Cinco de Mayo commemorates except tequila? I think I think that's what everyone I is celebrating.
0: I, I don't know. It celebrates Mexico's independence. Of course. That's what it... Why else, why else <laughs> would
1: we... Just Mexico's independence not being on the... Man. Yeah,
0: exactly. Why else would we do it?
1: <laughs> right. And why wouldn't we celebrate another country's independence? <clears throat> Yeah, ab- obviously. We should celebrate Canada's next and have like waffles and maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just decide like August fifteenth is uh, Canada's Independence right, Day. I'll and take that. We're all gonna celebrate it now.
0: <clears throat> I'll take it. It's the day after my birthday. I'm good. Sure. I'm good with waffles. And... We can
1: make it the fourteenth.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Even better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so funny. So um, okay. So. Writing. Let's talk about writing because you sure. you love writing. It's I do. Um, <clears throat> is something that's all you've always done. Or?
1: Yeah, I, I have <clears throat> um, since before I knew the alphabet. I think I've been writing. There's this my mother. My mother is saving these books because she insists someday that I'll be famous and that they're going to be worth something, <clears throat> which I think is ludicrous. But it's these these children's books that I took, like, crayons to them. Yeah. And apparently I didn't like the way they ended, so I, like, scratched out the ending with the crayon and then, like, scribbled in them. And apparently I could tell you what those scribbles said because I was rewriting the ending of the book because I didn't like it. It's amazing. Um, and so my mom still has those somewhere locked in a drawer. Um Wow. So I've literally, literally been writing since before I actually knew how to write the alphabet.
0: Wow. Um, she's just waiting for you to hit J.K. Rowling status. She's and
1: dying for that. <laughs> <laughs> so that she can, li- I can just like She's going to cash
0: in on this. Oh,
1: yeah. She's going to cash in on that. Well, she's also just going to cash in on like, I'm an only child and I better support her now. That's
0: fair. Oh, man. Wow. You're yeah. the only child. I am. Put a little on child. time out on writing.
1: <laughs> okay. Like, what was that like? Um, what is that like? It's weird. Lonely, which somewhere my mother's okay. gonna listen to this and be like, really? But um yeah, like not having siblings is kind of a bummer. Like I will never have if I have one child, I'm having two because yeah. like it's great, you know, you don't ever have to deal with hand me downs, you don't have to fight with your siblings and yeah, you know, you get all the attention. But like my parents my parents worked and they worked very demanding jobs, um and so they were, you know, I had, like, nannies and stuff a lot, and I was really involved at school, so I wasn't ever, like, truly, truly, like, alone and lonely, but, um, you know, even as I got older, like, to not have, like, a sister to talk about boys with and, and stuff like that, like, yeah. that was, or to have an older brother to pick on me, like, <laughs> to I, talk know, about boys to talk about yeah. boys <laughs> no, but, like, you know, like, all my friends complain about their siblings sometimes, and I'm like, that sounds great, like, I would love to have a sibling um
0: yeah i can't imagine not having siblings
1: it's really boring like but you also i mean i feel like a lot of my creativity and like imagination is thanks to being an only child oh because i just especially after i was 10 and my parents kind of thought i was good to be home alone for a couple hours <laughs> at a time i had to entertain myself yeah um and you know we didn't have the internet at our house yet so like it was very much like I had to color and write and like go outside and play and come up with things instead of just you know yeah watching TV you just
0: sounded really old too by the way
1: I'm sure I did
0: (laughs) you're significantly younger than me that's fine I I totally remember what's the internet
1: Yeah, yeah I remember getting dial up and it like being like a big deal yeah um I also remember what a pain dial-up was, and yeah. I don't ever.
0: Yeah. Um. Interesting. So being an only child, I. So do you? Have you ever wondered why you were an only child? Like. Oh, like
1: why? I feel like. Yeah. I feel, like, more.
0: Yeah. Like, I I I feel just, like at some point, if I were an only child, at some point I would go. <laughs> And like, did they just hate kids? <laughs> like they had me and went, Oh, we're not having another one of those
1: <laughs> I have I've should have asked my parents that like several <laughs> times. I'm like, so like what happened? Like, why don't I have siblings? Um and I've gotten varied answers over the years. Um I mean, I think the most believable one is they'd only been married like a year when I mean they'd only been married like <laughs> four months when they found out they were pregnant. And okay. I think it was very much an accident. Um yeah. which is, you know, whatever. Sure. Take it they bit. weren't really intending to happen. <laughs> they, were, it happen. And then they happened and then I think they were just, they really, really valued their careers, which is great. That was a really cool yeah. thing to see, um, as growing up. Um, but I think they just kind of were like, we'll have another when our careers calm down, when our careers calm down and their careers never calm down. Um, and now they're like, well, now we're not having another one. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think they just kept kind of putting it off really more than anything but they would always joke and be like no you were perfect we didn't need another one or no you were awful we didn't want another one <laughs> it was, I think it depended on my behavior that week Yeah. the answer they gave me
0: but, that's so funny yeah yeah I've just yeah, that's an interesting I feel like st- coming from a family I have a big family and coming from a family with that is big I think I stereotype uh, only children that they're selfish and don't know how to interact with the rest of the world because right. their whole life, it's about me. Right. And, but you don't seem like that at all. So <laughs>
1: well, good for you. Yes. <laughs> um, no, but I definitely was selfish, like growing up because and it really, I, yeah, I mean, you inevitably, I think kind of become that way because you, everything is about you and yeah. you do get all the new <clears> things and all the nice things and you don't ever have to share with your siblings. So, yeah, you. I think you inevitably do end up being really selfish, but I grew out of it eventually, um, you know, and part of that was a conscious decision to not be that only child stereotype. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, my parents always made sure, though, that I had plenty of interaction with other people. Like, I was always on multiple sports teams and, um, you know, was super involved in school and, you mm-hmm. know, I had no excuse to not know how to interact with people. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah.
0: So, um, like you said, you feel like that influenced your creativity and all of that. So,
1: yeah.
0: back to writing. Yeah. You started writing really young.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. Um, what is it about writing that's, like, because I understand, I write a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it for you with writing that is, um, fuels you, or what is it about that that's passionate for you?
1: Um, I just... I think I've been doing it for so long now that it feels weird when I'm not, um, as part of it. Like, it's just such a huge part of my life that I feel like I'm not really living up to, maybe not living up to something, but just kind of not acknowledging a large part of who I am if Mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm not writing. And it makes me really unhappy when I'm not writing. Like, I'm a markedly different person when I'm not writing at all, um, But I also just like, I love the, the creativity of it and, and making, taking something and making it interesting, um, or I hope it's interesting, um, you know, and like, and I, I don't just write fiction, you know, I've done essays and, you know, I, I write for different outlets about different things, which is great. Um, and it's just like a fun challenge trying to, um, kind of put something into words that maybe other people haven't yet. Yeah So
0: Um Yeah Do you have like a a Favorite kind of writing That you do Um Or is a favorite style
1: I Have been doing a lot more Of like the personal essay style Lately Okay I It's not my favorite I Kind of feel like I'm naturally Gravitating toward it right now I prefer to write fiction Um Interesting But You know Why I think it's just that idea of... I think it goes back to being a kid and, like, creating, like, a whole other world. Um, And, like, really a lot of fiction, like, a lot of J.K. Rowling and and the... um, And other authors, too, of course, really, like, kind of showed... Like, they opened up an entire world to me that wasn't available. You know, growing up in suburban Texas, you know, I didn't really have... Like, I mean, like, we traveled a lot, so, like, I got to see a lot of the world, but I didn't have a lot of, um, day-to-day stuff that wasn't, like, super routine. Like, I had school, and I had, you know, soccer practice, and my friends, and and that was it. And so, to be able to, like, go to bed every night and read about Harry Potter, and and this whole other world, or Lord of the Rings, and that whole other world, um, really just, it enriched my life so much in a way that TV shows and, and movies never have, um... Interesting. And so... I always just kind of wanted to be able to give that back, you know, it would be kind of part of the next, the next group of people that, that create that, not just for kids, but, you know, for everyone. Yeah.
0: That's so fascinating because, um, I feel like most people would graduate or, um, gravitate mm-hmm. towards visual stuff like mm-hmm. television or a movie or something like that that inspired them. It's fascinating that reading is what.
1: Yeah. And I'm still that way. Like, I still... Like, I watch TV more now, um, just because it's easier to watch TV and eat, or, you know... Because yeah. I'm always... Now, I feel like, as an adult, I'm always multitasking.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But, yeah, I think, still, for me, when I have a couple hours to sit down and really pay attention to something, it's always... I'm always picking up a book. Like, it's it's just... it's It's different, you know? You get to... I think part of it is being able to imagine it and being able to dictate, like... Right. Even though you're given character descriptions and, and the place that they're in, you, no author can really, truly, perfectly describe everything down to every hair follicle. So you get to yeah. be a part of it and, and <clears throat> contribute your own experience.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah, it makes sense. I can't, I can't uh, remember how many times I've, people have complained about A movie or a TV show that was based on a book and their statements were like, They got it all wrong, completely wrong. Like (laughs) that's not what that character looks like, or that's not what that character does, and all of that. And while I completely understand that, at the same time I go, Yeah, but that was your mental imagination construct of what that person
1: Looked like, yeah. Look
0: like, or anything like
1: that. Yeah, and I mean, and it's funny because that's going on with like the the Harry Potter like musical or play that's being put on in London next year. Mm. They cast um, they cast a Black Hermione, and everyone's like up in arms about it. Like, Hermione's oh, supposed yeah. to be white, and and everything. And um, J.K. Rowling came out and was like, I don't think I ever even put her skin color down. Like, if you imagined her as white, that was just your imagination, and that's how we cast her in the movies. But yeah, she shouldn't have to be. She can be whatever.
0: Man. Oh, that's so true. That's such a Oh wow. Yeah. So man, I wonder so if you think of if you think about a uh, you know, a black kid growing up in mm-hmm. that reading that, like what their imagination of it is. But then as soon as you put it on a visual, as soon as you put that person on a screen, yeah, and they're white or something or you know, it was intended to be a black character and they made the character white, like yeah, what that does yeah. Mentally, like, the the what that communicates to the...
1: I know. and And what it... Interesting. Yeah, because it's so important. Even though, like, you're not supposed to, like, you know... You know, not look just skin deep and, like, look past people's looks to identify with their personality. It's really hard for kids to do that. And so having characters that look like them, like, in terms of skin color and weight and... Right. Gender and whatever other, you know... Descriptor you want to put on it, um, I think it's really important for for people to have that to look to yeah um, and and to to be to be a role model for it so
0: I'm, yeah
1: I'm excited about
0: yeah, writing is so interesting um, i mean it's I feel like it's been the uh, forever i mean pictures and cameras and stuff haven't been around forever, but writing has always been the thing that. To change something or to create an idea, it's always been in writing.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've been storytelling for centuries, you know, I mean, that's part of who we are as humans. And think about it. We all do it all the time. Like when, when I say, Hey, how was your day at work? You tell me a story. It may not be a very good mm. one or a very long one, but you're, that's what you're doing Yeah, uh, and people, that's how we interact as, as humans, I think is, is through stories. Um, <laughs>
0: So when you write fiction stories, like, what is that for you? Like, do you see that as an influencer to someone reading it, or are you trying... Like, is your intent to create an idea with them, or it's just... I'm just... This is what I imagine i I'm putting it on paper, and just whatever it is is what it is.
1: Sometimes it's both. Um, I mean, I never try to get, like, allegorical about it. Like, I think, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like, I was telling this story recently about... Or not telling this story. I was writing this story recently about, um, like, vampires in, like... You know, in the premise of the story was that vampires, you know, have had... They exist, and they've been able to, um, like, come out into regular society because someone found a way for them to be adapt to sunlight or something mm-hmm. was, like, the premise of the story. And then it was a story about this kind of loser vampire who was kind of turned when he was 30 and just kind of, like, didn't know what he wanted to do with his life, and but now he's stuck being alive for the, you know, eternity. Okay. Um and just kind of like feeling like an outcast and still feeling like you don't know what to do and I wasn't trying to like tell anything about it like I was just like that would be really funny like what if vampires were totally normal yeah Um, but my friend like a friend of mine read it they were like this really speaks to like what it feels like what being lonely feels like you feel like it's never going to go away and you're stuck in this holding pattern forever until something comes up and, and kind of shakes that up for you and I was like that wasn't what I was trying to say at all but I'm that's cool that that's what you got from it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, you know, you never, I never try to put a message in it because I feel like that always fails. But, yeah. It's interesting to see the messages people take from it because people take different things from different pieces of work always. Right. You know, and I think.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know what I find interesting too is reading something and, um, uh, like, Something that really impacts you, mm-hmm. and then you show it to someone else, and you're like, read this, it's amazing. And then they read it, and you're like, Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And you're like, but no, it's like, but <laughs> it's did, so you, did you hear what they just said? Or just like, yeah. Um, but I guess that's so, I mean, I feel like with writing, like, that fits so well into who you are, and like what we you're talking about the coffee and all that kind of stuff, it is that human experience. That, like, what you get out of it is different than what I might get out of reading that same thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's funny how, I feel like people, people interpret things from where they're at, like, always, you know? And I think, and I think it's really fun to go back to things over and over again throughout your life. Like, you know, people are always like, oh, don't reread books, there's so many other good ones. But, like, the way I interpreted Mm. The Awakening in high school is going to be very different from how I interpret it now, ten years later, um just because i've been through 10 more years of life yeah you know that's so
0: yeah that's a good point yeah i read books all the time
1: i love reading books
0: um but i'm really bad about reading books like i'll read like five or six books at a time but i never read all the way through oh no <clears throat> because i so in writing i i learned one time that uh, reading the first chapter and the last chapter of a book, you'll learn everything about the book. <laughs> what? Because,
1: Who told you that?
0: Uh, I what don't did even you remember. To you? I don't even remember. And then with chapters, like the first, the first couple paragraphs of the chapter, mm-hmm. you've got the entire chapter. Because from that point on, you're, you're just recrafting and retelling the same idea in that chapter. You're just writing it differently throughout. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think that will happen with a fiction story, but just like, like a nonfiction yeah. book. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. No, I can read through books faster that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's valid. Now you can read more books than... True. Yeah.
0: But I just, I, I pick and choose a lot of times. Like, I'll read a book and I'll go, oh, that chapter sounds interesting. I'll read that chapter. And yeah. that's pretty much it. I
1: feel like that works best with nonfiction for sure.
0: Yeah. I Yeah, yeah it's hard for me to read fiction. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it can be
0: mostly just because my philosophy has always been: why well, ruin a good movie by reading the book?
1: <laughs> but there's so many books that haven't been made into movies. No, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I used to have this like really bad like guilt trip complex thing where like once I started a book, I had to finish it, and I wouldn't start another book until mm-hmm. I finished that first one, which would lead to me not reading for like a month at a time. Because I'd be like, God, this book is terrible. Like I don't want to finish it. And I finally. Like, a year ago, I started giving myself permission to stop finishing books that I don't like. Because um, I just, like, I felt yeah. like I had to. Like, I felt yeah, like right. once I'd opened it, I was, like, <clears throat> obligated.
0: Um. Yeah, I yeah, I have Yeah, I had the same thing. Because I, I can't start a project and not finish it. I have to finish whatever the thing is. Right. And, yeah, that's... I'm kind of the same way with books. Um, also, I think it's funny when people... Like, you read something, like, your interpretation, ah, oh, this, this is a bad book, I have to reading it. Yeah. But then someone else reads it, and I'm like, it's the best books that have been written.
1: <laughs> yeah. That happens, for sure.
0: And, um, but I think the tendency is, like, we put it on them, like, no, it's terrible. Why would you think that's why a great you, book?
1: Why would you, who are you? Why would you like that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you have a favorite writer?
1: Not really. I really like J.K. Rowling a lot. Um, okay. But... No, not really. Like, I, there's a lot of really good, a lot of really good writers out there. And I've been on, like, a memoir and an autobiography kick lately, so I've read a lot of really good ones um, that, you know, I don't know. I, no. To answer your question, no, I don't have a favorite writer.
0: Okay. Um, favorite book you're reading right now?
1: Ooh. Um, I just finished Mindy Kaling's new book, which okay. I really enjoyed. Um What else am I reading right now? Uh Oh I finished Man I don't think I'm reading anything right now I think I just finished that book And I haven't picked up a new one yet Okay Yeah
0: Um As a writer What would you tell people That are trying to write Or want to write? Like what kind of advice would you give them?
1: Um Don't stop Keep going Um the first million words you write are going to suck. And uh, that can be really, really disheartening. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, you know, you, it sounds great in your head and then you put it on paper and then you go back and read it the next day and you're like, oh, that's terrible. Um, or at least that's how I always felt. And so, and I still feel that way a lot of the time. But, um, yeah, I think the first, yeah, your first draft is always terrible. Um
0: so basically what you're telling me is all my papers in college sucked because <laughs> all my papers I turned in were the first draft.
1: I don't know. Maybe you're the exception to the rule here. <laughs> I'm sure all of my papers in college sucked because they were always the first draft.
0: Um, remember when I told you earlier I everything, did everything backwards yeah. and then I never wrote a first draft. I just wrote the paper.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no. Oh, yeah. That's a
0: waste of time. <laughs>
1: that's, <laughs> that's what I did too. I was always the one that finished like... I would finish, like, at midnight the night before it was due, and then I'd, like, read it an hour before it was due for, like, commas and, like, copy anything it, right. and like, well, like, I'm committed to this now because it's due in an yeah. hour.
0: smart. <laughs> um, so for some, yeah, so for someone trying to write a book, like, um, like, would you have a process with writing? Like, would you give someone advice on, like, if you're going to write a book, here's what you need to do, or here's what you should start?
1: I would, um... I mean, it depends on what works for you, I guess, because like I'm really bad at drafts too, and like outlines don't work for me. Um, but some people are really, really process based, and that works for them. So, I guess know yourself is part of it. Like, if you are the type of person that needs like a plan and like a step list to do things, make a make a draft or make an outline and then go from there. Um, but I like to just word vomit first drafts and okay. um, just write it as quickly as I can and just get through it. And then go back and fix it because I can't remember who said it now, but there was some famous author who was like, I can fix something I've written, I can't fix a blank page. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, once it's on paper, you can fix it, Um, right? But it's just getting it out of your head that's the hardest part. And I feel like the longer you stall, the more likely you are to forget it, but also the more likely you are to like really never finish. Um, yeah, so yeah,
0: um. I feel like that's why a lot of people don't start, because it's going to take a while. It's going to take a long time to finish.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, especially if you're trying to write a novel, it's... I mean, that's a time commitment. You can't do that in, in a couple hours. You can do that in a couple hours over several months, maybe. Yeah. But... Do
0: you have a, uh, like, this is my writing time, or you just write whenever...
1: Um, I used to have that. Uh, I've been really, really bad about having a routine, but I normally write at night. Like, I just... Okay. I... Once everyone's kind of gone to bed and, um, yeah, it, it, I feel like something about writing at night, like I'm more creative than I like it better than okay. trying to write during the day.
0: Interesting. Do you have a, I'm curious because I'm just curious about like sure. people's things. Do you have a spot? You write because I know a lot of writers like I have to sit in this. This is where I write.
1: Um, I'm not that bad. Like I'm not like I can't write if I'm not there. But I try to. Part of trying to have that routine, I do try to write at my desk, and I have like that L-shaped desk. So I do work any kind of like work stuff is on one side of the L-shaped desk, and all my writing and creative stuff is on the other side of the L-shaped desk. And like I know that when I turn my chair, I'm doing that thing now, and I don't do other things at that space. Okay. Um, just like you don't do anything else on your stove, you only cook there. Like right. I only write at that part of my desk. Really? That's all you do. That's I mean, you know, <laughs> that's what it's there for.
0: <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that makes yeah that makes sense. I'm always interested in people's process or like artists or writers because mm-hmm. it's all unique. It's all kind of different. Some people have this is the spot. This is yeah. the desk that I sit at. Or some people have yeah I go to the beach and I sit on you know, this bench, and that's where I sit and write, or whatever it is. Right,
1: yeah, and I know a lot of writers, I know a lot of creatives in general who, like, I can't create, like, if I am wide awake, or if I'm sober, or, like, whatever, I'm, like, they're, like, I have to have a drink, like, I have to do this, I'm, like, just get out of your own way, and just, like, sit down and do it,
0: like... interesting. I'm reading this book right now, and i totally spacing on the name of it, but, um, it's basically, like, the habits of... Famous people, so all these, all these famous. uh, It's all kinds of random. um, You know, some of them are writers, some of them are scientists. Like, but the the chapters are really short, and Mm -hmm. it's basically like this is who they were, and this is, this is, uh, these are their daily habits. So basically, kind of outlines like their daily routine of who they were. But it's all over the map. Like, you have one guy that. You know he 's very like he gets up at five a m every day and you know, he's yeah he 's like very regimented and then you have guys that are just like they would sleep till eleven and they would uh or they you know they would sleep till nine they would get up and they would have the same breakfast, but mm-hmm. then they would immediately start drinking and they would do nothing <laughs> and then at eleven p m they would write for like five hours and yeah. then they would immediately go drinking themselves into a stupor and they would pass out but then they'd wake up at 9am again do that but it's like all over the map
1: oh it's all over the map and that um yeah I I, I wrote something about that recently about just like how that like that pressure of like having to do things in the morning because I feel like that's something that people are talking about a lot right now like the first two hours you're awake are going to be your brain is at it's best or whatever yeah um and I think that's ridiculous The human brain is so different Among different people Like yeah. how can the first two hours of the day Be best for everyone in the world But I was reading this, uh, Something similar but it was just about writers It was talking about like, Hunter S. Thompson Who would do like So much just cocaine And just so many drugs yeah. all day long which makes sense with what he wrote, but then like people like Hemingway who were like, I don't drink and I, you know, don't drink coffee or like whatever, and I well yeah. like Hemingway was a drinker, but yeah, you know, just like people who were like, I get up at four AM and I write, and then Hunter S. Thompson was like, let's party and then maybe I'll write afterwards, you know, so yeah, I think it's it's whatever works for you.
0: Yeah, you know? it's a good point. My dad always talked about, uh, you know, the, the world being built on morning people. Yeah. That, you know like everything runs on like you said like first couple hours mm-hmm. and his brain just never functioned that way he was, all, he was always better in the evening like late in the day that was when his, mm-hmm. that's when he came alive and would come awake in like yeah. evenings but he was like the world doesn't run on my time the, on the way my brain works <laughs> so I have to work in you know in, in that scenario yeah. like, it's tough for me I could probably get a lot more done if it ran on my time
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, um, I feel like if we were a little bit more forgiving, like as a world of, of, or maybe not forgiving, but like understanding of like, people have different circadian rhythms for when they can yeah. work, and if we stopped doing that like nine to five crap, then then maybe um, people would get more done. Because I have, like my first couple hours of the day, like I can do like really like task oriented things like go drop this off at the mailbox Mm -hmm. go to the gym like I can do those things anything that requires any amount of creativity I'm like I'm screwed until at least 7 p.m. yeah I can't
0: do it interesting so I just feel guilty about people like a lot of friends give me a hard time Mm -hmm. like guys that are on my board and they're you know they're very regimented businessmen and they're like oh you got up at 9 a.m. or you know whatever and I'm like yeah Yeah, I don't have to get up at six thirty in the morning.
1: (laughs) Oh, I would be such a happier and more productive person if I was allowed to sleep until ten and then work until one a.m. Like, yeah, that that would be so much easier for me. Yeah,
0: I don't know why the world does – I don't know why we don't understand it. I don't know. It's uh,
1: yeah. I'm sure it has something to do with farming and sunrises and free electricity.
0: I'm not a farmer, so I don't.
1: (laughs) <laughs> we have electricity now, so yeah, I can have light whenever I want. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but they also, I guess, attribute to people's health in general going worse now that the electricity exists. Because we don't sleep at night. Oh. The way, like, our body, our brain and body are built on a certain, like, routine of, like, day and night. Yeah. And we've, when electricity was invented, now we can stay up at night and we can do things at night. And it just, like, I don't know about health, but it changed... People in a lot of ways, so like we get less rest than we used to because we don't because now we don't have the sun's down. So
1: well, turn on the lights.
0: Yeah, there's yeah now it's like the sun's the sun's down. I can do whatever I want. I got electricity.
1: Yeah, exactly. I read this really interesting thing the other day, and I wish I could remember where I read it about how in the Middle Ages people used to only sleep four hours at a time instead of we're not made to sleep eight hours in a row. And they would like. Go to sleep at eight or something. Wake up at midnight and pray or study or something by candlelight mm. until for like an hour or two, and then go back to sleep and sleep another four hours. And I was like, "Interesting. That's a cool way to live. Like I could do that." Um, huh. And I feel like that kind of matches that natural circadian four hours of right. What is it? The phases, levels of sleep, or whatever it is. That,
0: I had no idea. I have no idea. I'm not a sleep expert. I mean. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so you're going to Paris.
1: I am going to Paris. And how
0: long are you going to be there?
1: For a year. Okay. Twelve months. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to Columbia University and doing a uh, a program for um, history and literature. Okay. And I'm going to be, hopefully I'm going to be studying the way we treat minorities in fiction and how that re- reflects kind of reality and uh, in the way, interesting. yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, but yeah, so I get there in probably August and stay until the next August.
0: Um, did you, like, was that on purpose of, I'm going to go to Paris and, and go to school or did it just work out that way because of where you're going to school?
1: Um... It- Yes and no It kind of just worked out that way um, I definitely picked this program At least in part because it was in Paris Okay Because um, I also got into to University of Chicago And, and could have gone there But I feel like Ever since I first went to Paris I feel like a part of me Is kind of always on my way to Paris mm. um, And so it, The opportunity to go live there for a year um, I was just like Why would I not do that like, yeah.
0: yeah You need to know my friend Natalie Okay. Who was also on my podcast? She's okay. a she's a floral designer.
1: Oh, I think I was that one. oh
0: Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, she's so cool. Um, same kind of thing. Like started her own. This is the thing she was passionate about. Started her own her own thing. She lived in Paris for a long time, and that's kind of if I remember right, that's kind of where she fell in love with um, <clears throat> floral design and that kind of stuff, just yeah. from art and all that. But she 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 talks about Paris the same way that you do. That, yeah, like, Paris's uh, like. It's, it's a part of me and I like I hated leaving Paris because it was yeah it's Paris
1: yeah and, and it's funny because I think a lot of people like have this like really romantic notion of Paris and I love Paris and I feel like I, I lived there for three months in 2014 and I feel like I very much left a part of me there but yeah. I don't have that romantic notion of it I'm like it's a city like any other city yeah um but I still like. I still love it there. Like, yeah. it's
0: just. Well, I think she's the same way. I don't think it's not. It's not like that romanticized thing about Paris. It's mm-hmm. just whatever it is about Paris that for living there. Mm-hmm. That yeah, she would say the same thing. That she loves part of herself there. And yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. So um, I guess long term, right, we're getting kind of near the end here. But like, oh. what's your what's your goal like with writing and coffee and all that? Like,
1: you know. I'm not super sure at this point. Um, It's funny. I've been kind of in this weird thing recently where I've learned kind of two big major things. And and the first one being that I am super young and... um, That sounds like such a stupid thing to, like, recently learn because I've always known how old (laughs) I am. Like, like, let's be real. But it's, um... Like, I graduated early from high school and from college and and was always around adults, especially as an only child, I was around a lot of of adults.
0: You are one of those super smart kids.
1: And I was just... You know, like... I was always ahead, sort of. And and I'm finally not ahead anymore. Like, I'm very much where most 25-year-olds are, it seems like. And, um... And finally realizing that there's just so much time to do things and that I don't have to, like, lock myself into one thing. And then the other big thing I'm learning is that it's absurd to lock yourself into one thing, that that we can do, you know, so much. Like, we have plenty of hours every day to do a lot of things. And so I don't want to leave coffee, but I also do want to go into academia. And I think those are easily something – I could do both of those things, you know, in my lifetime and and not – I don't have to give one of them up for the other and that's been something that I finally accepted like in the last couple months of um, you know you don't have to pick just one thing in your life Um, and you, yeah, so I'm trying to figure that out I might go into being a professor that'd be great, Um, I'd like to keep writing I'd like to keep writing about coffee and about academia Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I'm not not sure I'm not real sure where it's going to lead but I know that coffee and and literature are both a part of it, and and I'm not willing to give either one up right now.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's great because I had spent a lot of time – I was a youth pastor for a long time, and I spent a lot of time in ministry, church world. And for a while, there was um, – there's an idea – i I don't know that it's totally wrong, but there's an idea, there's a lot of teaching going around of like, what's the one thing, like figure out your one thing that you're good at and focus on that. Mm-hmm. And while I think that's definitely, there's definitely some importance to that. I feel like a lot of people sacrifice multiple things that they're passionate about
1: mm-hmm.
0: for the one thing that they think you're their best at. Right. And I've never understood that. I've never mm-hmm. understood like, well, if you love this thing. But you also love this other thing. Why can't you figure out ways to do both? Why can't you, right. you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think having a bunch of things that you are passionate about and are, and are doing is, it influences all of them. You know, like being able to do more scientific stuff with coffee, it, it's a different way of thinking and it influences the way I write and, you know, the, might influence the way I approach literature. And, yeah, I think it's kind of silly to try to box yourself into only one thing and there is value in like focusing on like one project at a time sure for sure um you know and like that goes back to that question of like what are you obsessed with right now like there are times i'm like i know that i have like 15 things i should be doing right now but i am obsessed with this one and i'm going to focus on this this week um and i think there's a lot of value in that you get things done really quickly that way right but at the same time, like, you don't have to say, I'm only doing this one thing for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because that's crazy. Like, you know, we're all going to live to be 100. Like, you don't need to spend 90 years doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But, I, I yeah, I think a lot of people sacrifice maybe the thing that they love the most because, mm-hmm. well, this is the job that I have or I can't make money at that thing. Right. So I'm going to go do this thing. and mm-hmm. But instead of like, well, I'm going to do this for now to make money, but I'm also going to fulfill this passion over here. Yeah. And it's that's, that's sad to me because I, I think people end up, I don't know, not always because I'm not there yet, but I think a lot of people probably will end up at the end of their life going, I wish I'd have done this other thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's then, my big fear. Like, I don't want to... You know, ever like have to tell my grandkids or be on my deathbed and think, like, I wish I had pursued you know, X thing, um, yeah. I was passionate about you know, because we have all the time, not all the time in the world, but we have plenty of time,
0: yeah. So. Um, so as a uh, one of the things I always ask people on the podcast is, because um, there's different ideas about it, different philosophies about it, but I'm curious, like. Do you feel like every person has that ability to, as I say, boldly go and pursue their dream, mm-hmm. go after their passion, develop whatever it is? Um, or is it just like some people can do it and other people are just never, just don't have that in them?
1: You know, I was listening to one of your other podcasts and I'm blanking on the name of the guy and I feel bad, but he was talking about how fear is a silent decision maker.
0: Yeah, Jeremy.
1: Jeremy, yes. Jeremy. And, um, and I... That spoke to me so much because that's something that I was kind of going through like a year ago of like, of, try, of making these decisions based in fear. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I think anyone can boldly go and, and do whatever it is that they're passionate about. and And it has to be something that they are passionate about for sure. And, and that's individualized to everyone. But I think you also have to get over whatever your fear is around it because... I feel like every single time you get to something that you're really passionate about and that your heart is involved in, fear immediately becomes a part of it because, yeah. you know, when your project doesn't fund on Kickstarter, it hurts. Like, it sucks. Um, and so a lot of people, I think, don't boldly try those things that, are, that scare them even though they're really passionate about it. And I think if you could just put the fear to the side because it's not going to go away. But if you can just put it to the side and, and go and do it anyway, yeah, I think anyone could do it.
0: Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, that's so true. And about the Kickstarter thing, you're right. I mean, most people wouldn't do that just because, well, I'm probably not gonna, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get, make the money anyway, so I'm yeah. not even gonna try.
1: Right. But that's fear. That's fear saying, like, I'm not gonna make the money. Yeah. But you might. You don't know.
0: Right. So,
1: yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. Yeah, I, that that podcast was awesome because so I was like, yes, fear. Like, fear is. And, and I have a therapist that I talk to, and she would also say the same thing. She would be like, "You're just afraid. Just stop being afraid. It'll be fine." And I was like, "I don't. I don't think it's that easy." But
0: yeah, you know, I think it true. finally.
1: Like, but like, she's she's super blunt with me sometimes yeah. because I really need that. But um, it was that's been such a a thing for me is having to realize that like, okay, I'm probably not gonna stop being afraid. Yeah. But I can do enough other things that. I can put the fear of whatever that is, like, cause like I'm terrified to go to France. I don't speak French well enough to, to do, you know, like to live there for the rest of my life. And I don't, um, you know, like, I don't know if I'm going to be good at my master's degree or, you know, like whatever, like that's scary. All of it's scary. Sure. But do it anyway, because I think the, for me at least not going to France is scarier. Um, Mm. And so putting aside that fear of, like, what if I fail, what if I don't speak French well enough, all that, it's just, like, well, let it do it anyway. Yeah. So.
0: That's awesome. Uh, I would argue that fear is necessary, too. Like, fear, because people talk about, like, oh, if we just had no fear, we'd do anything. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's true. No. I think fear, I think, it's, I think it's, like, the counterbalance. Like, you yeah. need fear Because it's a motivator.
1: Oh, for sure. And I think the thing that you're the most afraid of doing is something that you should definitely do. Like, I think when Mm -hmm. you're, I mean, maybe not like, don't play with rattlesnakes. Like, (laughs) (laughs) let 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 me rephrase. Like, as long as it's not going to kill you. Yeah. But like, things that you're afraid of, like, if you're afraid of putting yourself out there with asking someone out or putting a project on Kickstarter or going to grad school, like, maybe that's something, maybe you're afraid of it because you care about it. And yeah. that's something you should do. I think the more afraid mm-hmm. you are, the more you care.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for
1: that. <laughs> that my job. Job. I appreciate that's
0: that. That's fine. Um, say that again. I just totally lost it. That is a great statement. Um, I
1: think the more afraid you are of it, the more you care about it. And that it means has. you should definitely do it. Man,
0: that's such a great point. New podcast title. <laughs> That's yeah. a really long title. That is a long title. Uh, no, that's a great point, though. I Yeah, I never thought about it that way. That, yeah. that's probably, you're probably right.
1: Yeah. Because why that, else would you care? Exactly, right. Because I think if you aren't afraid of it... And I think this applies to anger, too. Like, if you aren't getting angry about something or it doesn't scare you at all, like, you don't care about it. Um, and so I think the more... The more likely, or the more you care about something, the more likely you are to get to be afraid of it or, or to get angry and emotional about it. Because it's it's even going back to that that crying thing. Like if you don't feel an emotion about it, like that's not cool.
0: It's, it's yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I had you on the podcast. <laughs> that
1: that one's smarter,
0: right there. <laughs> smarter than the rest of us. No, it's so true. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I think you're. Just your story, who you are, is inspirational to people because um you're right, like you said, you you were afraid of going to Paris, but you're still you're doing it. Like Mm -hmm. the Kickstarter thing to me, especially, and that's that's part of the reason why I wanted you, not just because of like what you're doing with coffee, and I think it's a brilliant idea, but especially when I saw that you didn't make it with the Kickstarter, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but you're still doing your thing, like you're still, right, I'm gonna figure out another way to do it. I'm gonna keep yeah. doing this thing just because that one thing didn't come to fruition in that time that I wanted it to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
0: not gonna give up, right? Just quit doing that thing, right? Um, but that's what I think a lot of people do like, they either just give up because they failed at that one piece of it, or they, um, uh, they or they never do it because they're too afraid, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. And I think. I mean, I think f- failing is just necessary. Like, I think, yeah, you know, everything. Well, I, I don't know. I like I hate things that I'm good at right off the bat. Like, I'm like, mm. you know, like,
0: interesting. Granted,
1: I don't encounter that very often, but it almost like when it's too easy and there's no chance for failure. It's kind of like, what? What's the point? You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think yeah. failing is super necessary, especially for something that you're passionate about. I think it tests kind of whether or not you're really committed.
0: Yeah. So. Well, it, te- I, it teaches you – that's one of the problems I have with, um, like, in a lot of sports now, that we don't allow someone to lose or we don't, like, oh, oh yeah, we don't have, like, first, second, third place anymore. Like, right. It's like, all right, everyone wins. Like, everyone gets a –
1: a trophy. It gets a trophy
0: or whatever the case is. And, like, I understand the, motive, like, building up the right. self-esteem of someone, but I think in the same token, we're doing them a disservice because they're not learning how to face failure and how to overcome that or what to do with yeah. everything that I want, I didn't get, so now what do I do?
1: Right. Yeah. I think... Yeah, I think we do a bit of a disservice to people when we don't let them fail. Um, you know, and I think... I saw that, like, I was a swim coach for a little while. Um, like, I mean, not really, because I was, like, just assisting the JD team while I was on varsity, but... Um, yeah, I think that's part of, like, letting people become a good whatever. You know, they yeah. have to... They have to get second place <laughs> or last place. Um, right. And if they don't, if they don't ever really have to fight for something. I think it's, uh, I think you're, I don't know, not, you're creating adults who won't fight for things, I think, um, mm. or I fear. You know, yeah. That yeah.
0: That's true. It's a great, it's a great point. Man. So, um, last question, I guess, kind of wrap it up. You sure. If, to, um, as a 25 year old woman, um, in teaching, if you could teach a room full of young girls mm. about the world that we live in and how to pursue your passion or your dream, what would you tell them?
1: Oh man. That's such a tough one. Because um, there's like a million things running through my head right now that <laughs> I want to tell them. I think a big one, and and maybe this isn't, if I had more time to think about it, this isn't the first thing I'd say, but learn to discern between true criticism that's meant to help you and just haters. Because as a woman in the entrepreneurial world, as a woman just in general, you're going to encounter both. And it's going to be from men and women, both. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, you know, you have to learn who's just trying to bring you down and who's actually... Maybe being really critical, but maybe they're being really critical about something that needs to be, that someone needs to be critical of. Um,
0: yeah.
1: You know, like, I think the, like that, the first iteration of, of the Barista Travel Guide, like, someone was really critical of the fact that I was kind of incorporating it with my own kind of personal brand of, like, the Valerie Clark on, on my blog. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, that hurt to hear because they were really mean about it. But I was like, that's an, actually a valid point once you get past mm. the terrible way you said it. Um, And, but like, you know, but then there are other people who are just like, girls don't know what they're talking about, about coffee. And, you know, and there's definitely like sexism and and crap that goes into that. But learning the difference between true criticism that's meant to help you and just people being awful, which I feel like is more rare, the second one, but that I think will serve you so well. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to hear negativity, I think, in general, but
0: Mm, Yeah. This is true. That's a good, uh, which I think is hard for anybody.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm uh, sure.
0: I mean, I heard a guy one time say that, uh, you know, you have to realize that by you accomplishing the thing that you're accomplishing, mm-hmm. um, you are unintentionally showing the the person not doing what they want to do. Like, you automatically become their enemy in a sense mm-hmm. because they're not accomplishing the thing that they that they want to accomplish and they see you doing it and it automatically makes them feel bad about who they are.
1: Right. And yeah. And I think maybe, maybe this would be something else I would tell any young person, especially girls, like a lot of what people are saying to you and about you is a bigger reflection on them and what they're Mm -hmm. feeling and where they're coming from than it is on you. And, um, so like people like, I have, like, a, another couple female friends who run a podcast and they get all these comments about, like, how shrill their voices are. And it's, like, that's mm. the least constructive thing. Like, what are they, they going to do? Change their voice for the podcast? Right. Um, and it's just really about their listeners and, and where they are and their, their journey and what they're dealing with. And it's not really about the podcast. And, um,
0: yeah.
1: You know, it's just it, – people will be threatened whenever you succeed or even when you try. Because yeah. so many people don't even try. Right, um, and so there will be people that don't, that hate that you're trying, for sure.
0: Yeah, man, that's so true. You should teach a class of young girls.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> done. Uh, <laughs> Just gonna put that on my resume.
0: Yeah, you should totally Jason get, said, no. "So
1: let me teach now." Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> uh, no, that's so that's great. That's really really cool. Um, so. Anything that you want to promote? Obviously, you have a blog, a site Mm -hmm. that your writing goes on to.
1: Yeah, uh, The Valerie Clark. Valerie's V A L O R I E. Yes. Um, I mean, we maybe recorded that earlier, but
0: I'm not sure when you actually
1: started. Um.
0: Yeah, we talked about it. But that's good that you point that out (laughs) because even though I knew that's how your name was spelled, I still typed it in wrong.
1: Yeah. It's hard. A lot of people get it wrong and I've kind of forgiven it. But if you're going to, the internet is not as forgiving with URLs. True, yeah.
0: The Valerie Clark. The Valerie Clark. Yeah. Dot com. Dot com.
1: And then um, the coffee project we've been talking about is called Caffeinated Travel on Instagram.
0: So, awesome. Yes. Yeah. So go follow that. And um, when you start another Kickstarter or whatever it is, go fund it.
1: <laughs> um, no, please. If yeah. you believe in it.
0: Yeah, well, you should. I'm telling me to believe in it. <laughs> that's listening. So, uh, the, Val- the Valerie Clark, awesome. Do you put all your writing on there, or do you um, stuff? You just wait and like um, trying to write a book. And...
1: I put a lot of like really, really personal things on there. So okay. stuff that like I'm going through that I feel like I don't have an outlet for anywhere else. I put on there um, almost anything I ever get written and get published anywhere on the internet ends up on my Twitter. Okay. Um, so that's also the Valerie Clark. Okay. Um, so when I write about coffee, it's there. When I write about, like, I just wrote a in, a piece about um, body image for a group called Girl on Girl. Mm. Um, they have a really awesome video series. But, um, and so I, that was published with them on their website, so I just only ever tweeted about it. Um, but yes, yeah, so the blog is mostly really, really personal things like, hey, like, this is how I deal with depression, and, you know, like, depression sucks and it's a liar, but. This is what you go through and this is what that feels like. Um, Stuff that wouldn't get published anywhere else.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And they should follow you at the Valerie Clark at all.
1: All the things. All the things. Yeah. Awesome.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, So, uh, the last question I always pose to the listener. What can you do? You've heard heard an interview for a story, a life um, that is still still moving forward and hopefully you walk away and my question is what can you do this week or this month to write the first chapter right start doing the thing that you love and pursue that passion because i the one thing that i always want is to not for someone to listen to this and go well that person's doing their thing and being mad about it my hope is that they'll hear your story and will be inspired by that and will say you know what they're doing it so I can do it. I can try. I can at least try to write that book. Maybe no one will like it, but that's okay. But at least I wrote it. Yeah. So um, Valerie, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. You're awesome. Of course. Of course. You're smarter than the rest of us. So don't you should totally that. be on every <laughs> podcast. So um, thank you. And thanks for the cookies and the coffee. Of and, course. Um, Corey, thanks for sitting there and saying nothing. <laughs> <You're welcome.
1: laughs> Friend's